have the privilege tonight of talking about uh, the Bible. We are in a series called Holy Habits. Uh, for January, our community said, what we want to talk about is the spiritual disciplines. What does it mean to um, follow Jesus day in and day out? And uh, Pastor Chase started off talking about prayer. Um, then Macaulay, the next week, uh, brought the house down talking about worship. It was powerful. And tonight, I get to talk about the Bible, uh, reading the Word as part of our lives as followers of Jesus. So, what is the Bible? This is 66 books uh, in one, and it has 1,189 chapters. And it was written by about 40 people over the course of 1,500 years in, I think, three languages. And it tells the story of the world from being made to being broken to being saved and ultimately to being healed. Uh, and it tells the story of Jesus Christ, that he came, that he lived, that he died, and that he rose, and that he's coming back. And uh, this book is, man, I'm really passionate about it, so I'm really happy that um, Pastor Chase uh, chose me to preach this, and I'm really like terrified, because there's so much here. There's so much here. Uh, but this book is the most published book in the world. It's the most translated into the most languages. It's the most fought over book. It's the most sold book. It's the most stolen book. It's the most studied book. It is the most debated book and the most offensive book. It's the most widely banned book, 52 countries. It's the most precious book, most liberating, most powerful, most transformative, and most influential book of all time. I want to challenge you that this book is also the most worthy of your time and your attention in 2020. For the most part, this message is going to assume a few things about the Bible. One, that is God-breathed. That means the same act that God did to breathe life into human beings, he also breathed into this book, so it's alive. I'm also going to assume that the Bible is true, that it's authoritative, that it's relevant, and that it's sufficient, that it's enough. And uh, if those are open questions for you, like if you're not sure what to think about the Bible or whether it's true or what it means for me today, uh, I want to say I respect you uh, so much for being here and being willing to listen to perhaps an opposing viewpoint. I know that when I first started following Jesus with everything, um, I studied all of the most powerful and popular arguments against Christianity. And I took a class called Philosophy of Religion, which was taught by a guy who was passionately opposed to Christianity, because there's value in studying. There's value in owning your beliefs. Yeah. To say, I've looked at all these different things, and I've John's conclusion, this is where I'm gonna go. This is what I believe. Yeah. So thank you for being here. And if you wanna know more or have more questions about that, um, I'd love to talk to you after. I have more resources to point you toward and um, more to say on those topics. But for this community, we believe that the word is true. Yeah. We believe that it is powerful, that what it has to say matters for our lives right now. Uh, when Pastor Chase first started leading at Living Water Young Adults, he said this will be a community that loves the word, yeah. that lives by what it says. So regarding the Bible right now, you could be in one of a few places. You could be, like I mentioned, kind of on the outside looking in, like, I don't, I'm not sure what to believe. Uh, I haven't drawn that conclusion yet. Uh, you could be new to the things of God. You're 
excited about following Jesus and you're wondering, how does the how does the Bible fit into that? Or where do I start? You could be um, kind of like, uh, I follow Jesus and um, he's a huge part of my life. I've given him everything, but the word is currently not, maybe never has been a huge part of my life. Um, sometimes I dabble into it. Sometimes it's, it's bigger, sometimes it's smaller in my life. Um, or you could be someone who says, I read this every morning uh, or evening or both. Um, it's a huge part of my life and I love it. Uh, and if that is you, or if you're in any one of those positions, you're in one. <laughs> I want to argue tonight that you should read and engage with this book um, at a deeper level than you currently are. And why you ought to do that uh, might change depending on your life, where you're at right now, but I want to provide some general principles about what the Bible provides as you engage with it. So, one of the most important texts about the Bible in the Bible comes from 2 Timothy 3. This was a letter um, written from Paul, who was one of the premier, one of the first, one of the most important Christian missionaries of all time. And uh, he started a bunch of churches in the Roman Empire in about the 50 years after Jesus ascended to heaven. And he's writing this letter to Timothy, who's a young up-and-coming pastor who just took over um, at this church. And he's telling him all the ways that he could go wrong as a leader. Uh, and 2 Timothy 3 talks about false teachers what they're going to look like, um, what the people who follow them are going to look like, and the consequences. But then he goes on to say in verse 14 to Timothy, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Stop, pause. Uh, <coughs> side note, we caught a little bit of it tonight, but this says, you know you can trust those who taught you. I want to challenge you to find for yourself leaders who are a little bit farther along than you this year, yeah. in 2020. Find leaders who you can trust. Um, Living Water Young Adults is very fortunate to have leaders here who have been around the block, like Paul, uh, like Marion, like Scott, and they're not here um, because, they're <laughs> because they're young adults. They're here because they love you. They want the best for you. Yeah. Yeah. They're willing to enter into a relationship with you and teach you because they know a thing or two because they've seen a thing or two. <laughs> Farmer's insurance. Or That's it. <laughs> but in this room, I highly encourage you to find someone about 15 years down the road at least who is, who's walked through some stuff that you're currently going through and has something of value that they got from that experience. So, moving on. Scripture says, Paul to Timothy, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, Paul could have wrote to Timothy, read the Bible, because you have to. I'm Paul, you're Timothy, I have authority, you don't do what I say, read the Bible. But instead, he talks about all the reasons that the Bible is useful. And uh, I picked out a few from this text. Um, I thought of like six, but I'll go with three for tonight. One, the Bible reads us. Two, the Bible leads us. And three, the Bible reveals Jesus to us. I also had that the Bible um, feeds us, and the Bible frees us, 
and the Bible brings peace to us, but that'll have to be yeah. some, other, some other time. But first, the Bible reads you. The scripture says, the Bible teaches us what is true and makes us realize what is wrong. So, another place the Bible says that the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and exposing our innermost thoughts and desires. You and I are like a big uh, bucket of mixed motivations. I don't know if you um, ever went to McDonald's when you were a kid and you went to the soda fountain and just every soda in your cup. Uh, I don't know if you did that like last week, um, but it's good. But that's you and me. We're a big old mix of different motivations. Some of them are selfless and some of them are more selfish. Um, for example, maybe why you came to Living Water Young Adults tonight. Now, you might be like, what are you talking about? I came to encounter the Lord in worship and learn from his word in community with the people of God. That's why I came. And if that is you, props to you. Um, but for other ones of us, maybe we came here tonight because of peer pressure. You're someone really charismatic in our lives. So we don't want to say, uh, I'm not interested because they're going to ask why. and It's going to be this whole big thing. So you just come. It could be because you feel like you have to do this. Maybe you came because you want to meet some uh, Christian singles in your area. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's not a bad thing necessarily, like Pastor Chase alluded to. We're going to learn all about love, relationships, come and singleness on. over the next six weeks. But we're on the Bible tonight. Uh, you might have come to Living Water Young Adults uh, in order to not feel so alone. Um, you might have come because you want to feel like or you want to be seen as a really spiritual person. Uh, you might have come because you have nothing better to do on a Thursday night. Which I would agree, there is nothing better to do on a Thursday night. Um, or consider why you go to work. Do you go to work because you're like, I'll go broke if I don't. It's just a means of paying bills. Or do you go to work because... It's a stepping stone uh, onto something better. You're trying to build something in your career, and you're like, "This, I just have to do this for now until I get to that other thing down the road. Um, or do you go to work because you know that God has sent you to where you're at, yeah. to work like he's your boss and honor him in that way and make most of every single opportunity to advance his kingdom, to bring um, his heaven to earth. Mixed motivations. And scripture can help with that. As we read it, it reads us. It has things to say about going to church. Uh, it has things to say about going to work. It has principles within it that all the situations that aren't explicitly covered in the Bible can guide us through those and navigate those scenarios. Because the goal is not ultimately that we know the rules and always just do what the Bible says. The goal is that we become changed over time to look more and more like Jesus. And the Bible presents a wonderful mirror to see how you are coming along in that process. As you read it, it is a two-way conversation. As you read it, you'll realize things in your life that are wrong. You'll realize things that you aren't doing that you should be doing. And the goal is that slowly, over time, it works on you and reads into you so you look more and more like Jesus. So that's one benefit, one reason why reading scripture is useful. The second is that the Bible leads you. 
Paul said to Timothy, the Bible prepares and equips us for every good work. It leads us. Psalm 119.105 says, God, your word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. Then I heard a uh, pastor say recently, it's a light under the feet so that I don't trip, so it protects me, and then it's also a light under my path, so I have a general idea of where I'm going. It directs me. The Bible provides protection and direction. How does it do that? Because it familiarizes us with the voice of God and gives us wisdom to apply to our situations. The future is really scary, or at least it is for me. Um, young adults, myself included, are dealing with a ton of huge decisions that we have to make. Um, that have some that seem like, okay, once I go down this road, I'm never coming back. There's a lot of pressure we're facing in our lives that we, we've never faced before. Um, there's a lot of situations where we're looking around thinking, I need an adult, and we realize, like, I am the adult in this situation. <laughs> it's scary. And we believe, as a church, as a community, that the Holy Spirit still speaks to us today in our souls. And the, the fear, the decisions we have to make can be aided greatly as we learn to hear God's voice, how he's directing us, what he has to say about those situations, about the decisions we got to make, about our lives, about college, about career, about how we spend our money, about where we're going to live, about who we're going to date. We want to know, how do I hear the voice of God? And that's a question I get a lot. How do I know when it's God talking to me in my soul? How do I know when it's just thoughts? How do I know when it's something else? And my answer is the Bible. The Bible is the best way yeah. to learn how to recognize the voice of God. Good. I'm not just saying that. Jesus said to his disciples uh, during the Last Supper that when the Holy Spirit came, he was going to guide people into all truth. That's his job. He guides us into all truth. Later that day, Jesus also said, God, your word is truth. So when the Spirit comes and talks to you, his voice is always going to sound like scripture. Nothing he ever says to you is going to be contrary to what you find in the Bible. So if you want to, okay, how do I, how do I learn how to hear from God? How do, I, how do I know when it's him talking? The Bible is a great way to get yourself accustomed to how he sounds. I want God uh, to guide me. I want the Spirit of God to lead me, and when He speaks to me, I want to go full speed into whatever He's saying. Yeah. And sometimes we pray, and we pray, and we wait, and we wait, and God says absolutely nothing about the decision we're supposed to make, or the future that we're supposed to walk into. How do I know that? Because that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> um, a few years ago, the Lord spoke very clearly to me at summer camp, because that's what He does. He speaks at summer camp yeah. a lot. Uh, he said, Cody, I believe you're supposed to do Anthem for two years, and I will direct you into what to do next. And I said, okay, God, I'll do it. <laughs> two years later, sure enough, I had graduated Anthem, and I knew exactly what to do. Uh, Anthem College came out, Anthem Flex came out, had an ability to finish my degree uh, in psychology there. Um, that's when I met the woman, or started dating the woman who's now my wife. Um, the Lord spoke clearly. That was awesome. But right now, I'm three months away from graduating with my bachelor's degree. Let's go! Which is awesome. But I have no clue what to do next. I have no idea, like, when you 
When you have a bachelor's degree in psychology, the one thing everybody tells you every <laughs> single time is, wow, you really need to get a graduate degree if you want to work in psychology. It's very discouraging when I'm like, I have two years left in my bachelor's degree, and I don't know what to do next. And I've been, I've been looking at grad schools. There was a time like a couple weeks ago where I was just sitting on the floor in my house with these different options in front of me on my laptop, just paralyzed by fear. This is a big decision. It's a financial commitment, it's a time commitment. I might have a program that I want to go into that's located in another state, and maybe that means I'm never coming back. Maybe never moving back to work. <laughs> might mean that I have kids who grow up not really knowing who my parents are. Like, that's huge stuff. Why does God do that? Why does God put you in those situations where you're like, just tell me what to do, God, I'll do it. Spoon feed me the answer. <laughs> Because he wants us to become people who know his voice and obey it. True. But he also wants us to become people who are faith-filled, who know his word, have wisdom, and can make decisions on our own. God wants us to learn how to become people who make decisions that will honor and glorify him and bring his kingdom forward. Ephesians 4 talks about how one of Jesus' goals for you is to grow up. Yes. To grow up in the Christ. Uh, and God wants you to be somebody who has faith. Faith only happens when there's uncertainty in front of you. And faith comes through hearing. Hearing comes through the word of Christ. The word. God wants you to become a faith-filled person who boldly makes decisions that you know this is going to honor God. This is going to glorify God. I don't need my hand to be held through this because God has raised me up into a bold, faith-filled person who can make those decisions. So I want to challenge you and me that uh, when we overemphasize God's voice and direction, I'm not going to move until God burns a bush or has someone right in the sky exactly what I'm supposed to do. We can miss out on actually a, a growth that he's inviting us into. And if you're in that spot, if you have a big decision coming up about your future like I do, and you don't seem to be hearing God's voice on what do I do, I want to challenge you that maybe God's staying quiet on purpose. Maybe he's already given you all the wisdom you need. It's good. To make that decision on your own. Yeah. Because yeah. you're never truly on your own. Yeah. It's given you a spirit. It's given you faith. You have the resources you need to make decisions you know are going to glorify him and advance his kingdom. Yeah. So just do it. Whatever that is. Third thing that the Bible is useful for, it reveals Jesus to you. This is the most important one. The Bible reveals Jesus to you. Like Paul said to Timothy, it gives you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. One of my favorite stories in the Bible happens in Luke 24. It is after Jesus has died and rose, but his disciples don't know that he's alive. And uh, a couple of them are walking away from Jerusalem to another village where, you know, Jerusalem's where everything happened, and then Jesus died, and they're like, what do we do? And they're just kind of walking back, like, I have no idea. I'm so confused. And this dude walks up behind him and says, what are you guys talking about? And it's Jesus. But he's supernaturally not letting them know that it's him. And they say, what are you talking about? Are you the only person who doesn't know what has happened in Jerusalem over the last few days? And Jesus is like, humor me. What's, what's going on? And they talk about all these things, how Jesus came, and everyone was super stoked that he was there. And then 
as a speaker feed, feeding back because I'm being careless. I'm just, you know, that's my, that's my job uh, here and I'm doing the very thing that I tell people not to do. Yikes. But they say people were so stoked that Jesus came to Jerusalem and then a week later they wanted him to die. And now he's dead and we don't know what to do. What does this all mean? I have no clue. And Jesus basically lovingly um, rebukes them and says, you guys are so dumb. That's not what Jesus actually said. But, yeah, he said, I thought you guys would understand by now that I had to do this, or that, that Jesus had to do this to, uh, to fulfill what was written in the scriptures. Don't you know the scriptures? And what he does is over the rest of their walk, he goes through the entire Old Testament, starting with Moses and the prophets, and explains just how all of those things line up to predict Jesus. That he would come, that he would die for the sins of people, that he would uh, rise again from the dead, that it all has a purpose and a point to it. And man, if there is one place, right, if I had a time machine, I could travel back into history and just tag along with those three guys and hear how Jesus is explaining what all these books in the Old Testament have to do with him. Because I'm a massive nerd, and <laughs> of all the moments in history, that's the one I would go back to. It wouldn't be like to do something funny, like mess with ancient people using my iPhone and all the things that I can do. It would be to hear that. But the point is that all scripture points to Jesus. It reveals who he is to us. And when we look at Jesus' life, we find that he ate, slept, bled the Bible. He was always quoting the Bible. And he was always quoting it, usually in reference to him. For example, when Satan is tempting Jesus in the wilderness, he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father. In that moment, he's quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. During that crazy story where he drives all the people out of the temple with the whip and turns over all the tables, he says, don't you guys know that my father's house is going to be a house of prayer? And that is a quote from Isaiah 56, 7. And then finally, on the cross, as he's dying for the sins of the world, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that confused a lot of people at the time and through the centuries. But it gets a little bit clearer when you realize he's quoting Psalm 22, verse 1, which is a, a song about this guy who suffers so that his younger siblings can hear good news. So that his father will be praised. It's, written, it's a song written about how even though this person suffers, they get, they get to see the benefits of that. This is the one that we're giving our lives to. This is the one that we, as believers, are trusting with everything. And he was fluent with the word. And everything in the word teaches us more about him and gets us closer to him. I don't know about you, but I am staking everything on the teachings of this book. I'm staking my life, I'm staking my afterlife, that this is true, yeah. authoritative, and relevant for me. That it points to Jesus, that he is my savior. The word gets to know, gets us to know, the one who gave everything for us. And here's where it gets kind of tough. I have a, I have a hot take for all of you. One of the biggest objections, one of the biggest reasons I hear from people that they don't read the Bible actively, it's not a huge part of their lives every day, is I don't have the time, or it's too much work. And my take, which you can take it or leave it, 
Um, I'm not going to go into a bunch of ways to like prove it to you. This is just this is the sense I get. But if we look a little bit deeper, it's not really a time or a work thing. It's really an authority thing. It's really a kingship thing. Yeah. <sighs> Because we seem to have time for Netflix, social media, yeah. video games, 20 more minutes of sleep, yeah. another episode of The Office. <laughs> we have time for that. Uh, we're willing to work really hard for the things we are passionate about, yeah. whether it's yeah. school or our job or mm -hmm. trying to get that significant other. We're willing to work hard for that. Amen. Yeah. But when you read the Bible, it tells you, you are not the center of the world. Yeah. Yeah. What is most important is not what you want right now. Yeah. Yeah. It subverts this inward thing we have in our souls that says, I'm the center of the universe. Yeah. And when we read it, we learn about someone who actually is the center of the universe. Right. And we have to make a decision. Am I going to submit to a higher authority than myself? Yeah. Or not? And honestly, I believe that submitting to a higher authority than yourself is the hardest thing for a person to do. Yeah. So I would challenge you that it might not be a time thing, it might not be an effort thing, it might be an authority thing. So take that or leave that, but that's my take. Another objection I hear about reading the Word, not making it a part of our daily lives is, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like reading the Word when I get up in the morning. Um, I'm not, I'm not feeling it, and if I'm, if I'm just doing this thing, going through the motions and not feeling it, then it must be fake, it must not be real. But I'm here to tell you that it's okay to not feel like it. Um, Jesus had a lot of moments over his ministry where he did not feel like it, including the day before he died for everybody. He said, Father, if there's any other way than this, could you make it happen? But if not, then let's do this. Sometimes Jesus intends for us not to feel like it. Sometimes when you when you have the opportunity, should I read the Bible or not, I don't really feel like it. Sometimes that's exactly where Jesus wants you to be. Because faith doesn't reside in your emotions, it resides in your will. It doesn't reside in your emotions, it resides in your will. And a faith that is dependent on how you feel is not faith. Jesus wants from you a deeper devotion than how you are feeling each day. Don't get me wrong. Feelings are important. Feelings are God-given. Emotions are gifts. They're important indicators. They are the thing that makes life so beautiful. Emotions are good. I'm not knocking emotions. But they cannot be the highest authority of your life. Yeah. You will just go up and down. It's good. So, before we uh, step into how to apply this, what do, what do I do? Um, I want to talk about condemnation versus conviction. Um, the Bible says that if you're in Christ Jesus, if you love him, if you've made him your savior, if he's in charge of your life, then condemnation is against the rules. It's outlawed. There's, there's no more of it anymore. Jesus doesn't look at you like that, and his voice and his opinion of you is more important than your own opinion of you. Therefore, you can't feel condemned. Yeah. But conviction is God-given gift. Right. Yeah. Condemnation says you are not good enough. Look at you, not reading your Bible enough, calling yourself a Christian, saying, going to LWYA so frequently, and yet, in your personal life, it doesn't look like that. You're a lost cause. Mm -hmm. And it leaves you feeling ashamed. 
when it doesn't actually lead to any like positive change in your life, it just makes you feel really bad about yourself and then tempts you to do something that's really negative for you in order to not feel that way about yourself. That's condemnation. Conviction says you're loved more than you even know. More than you're capable of understanding, you're loved. Jesus is never giving up on you. He already said, he already said, you belong to me, you're mine. I'm going to see you through to the end. And real conviction leaves you with change, real change in your life. So, I encourage you that, how, however you're feeling right now, please leave your condemnation here. Say, Lord, I feel condemned, and I know that is not how you think about me. Remind me of who I am. Remind me of what you have to say about me. And then, then tell me what to do. Show me what to do about what's being presented here tonight. Reading the Bible, making it part of your daily life, requires pain and discipline. And it requires submission to authority. Those are like my least three favorite things right there. <laughs> Pain, discipline, and submission to authority, no thanks. But on the other side of that surrender is life. And transformative power. And joy in the midst of life's heaviness. And peace in the midst of life's uncertainty. And a deeper connection to and satisfaction in the one who made you to worship and enjoy him forever. Good. So, how do we respond? Read the Bible. That's it. End of sermon. <laughs> if you are a seeker, someone who's more on the outside of um, Christianity, you're thinking about it, you're doing your research, please keep doing that. I would also urge you to consider the source material. Don't draw any conclusions about Jesus until you've read about his life from the book based on his life. And if you're like, where do I start? This is 66 books, 1189 chapters, all that. Read the book of Mark. If you sit down and read the book of Mark from cover to cover, it'll take you an hour to an hour and a half. It'll tell you the whole story of Jesus through his actions and deliver a little bit of an interpretation of what those mean for you. New people, you're new to Christianity, Jesus, you're wondering how the Bible fits in, what do I do, where do I start? I highly recommend that you start in the book of Psalms or in the book of John or in the book of Ephesians. Because those all show you the, the heart of God, what it looks like, the rhythms of a disciple, um, God's love for you, and exactly what salvation means for you today. And uh, if you don't have a physical copy of the Bible, um, we've got you covered uh, underneath the hub, and someone's going to come and put them on top of the hub. Um, we had people from our church, uh, including myself and leaders, uh, donate Bibles. We said, hey, anyone, if you have a Bible laying around that you don't read, just gathering dust on your shelf, um, bring it here. So we don't want you to leave without a physical Bible. Um, all of those are free. Be bold, be shameless. If you don't have one, please, please take one. And if they're all gone and you still want one, um, let one of us know. Let me or Macaulay or Pastor Chase or write on a Connects card, hey, I want a physical Bible. We'll get one for you. I promise. But I don't want you to leave without it. It's something that you can put your own notes in, have a conversation with God. If you are someone who says, you know, I follow Jesus, I've given my life to him, um, but the Bible's not actually a huge part of my life, do not feel ashamed. But I will challenge you to read the Bible. If you started tomorrow and read the Bible four chapters 
When I woke up the next day and read the Bible, four chapters, by the end of the year, you will have made it through the entire Bible. You're like, there's already 30 days out of the year, though. How do you know? I did the math on my own. There's 336 days left in the year. If you read four chapters a day, 1189 divided by 336 means you will make it with 38 days to spare. So, it's not too late. And it will take to read four chapters on average, depending on your speed, 15 to 20 minutes. So, one episode of The Office, a couple hits of the snooze button, whatever. But if you've never read the Bible cover to cover, and you also say, I'm staking my entire life on the teachings of this book, Come on. I highly encourage you to read it yeah. cover to cover. Let your actions line up with your beliefs. I'm saying that to myself too. <laughs> and lastly, um, people who you walked in here having a habit of consistently reading the word every day or every night or both. Uh, I want to challenge you a little bit further to pray a really scary prayer during response. Band, can you come up for me, please? We must be getting something. If the Bible is a huge part of your life already, please pray a scary prayer with me. That Jesus would challenge you more than ever before as you open up the Word, tonight or tomorrow. And that you would see things in this book that you've never seen before. God makes all things new, and his word is alive. He has new ground for you to take. New things for you to learn. More ways to treasure who Jesus is. So, the band's going to play, and uh, the lights are going to go down. And I would encourage you to ask God, God, how do you want me to respond? Where am I at? What's the best way that I can engage with the Bible at a deeper level in 2020? And once, once you know, okay, God, you're speaking to me. I'm, I'm feeling convicted. I want to change. I pray that you would, uh, you would worship the Lord and say, thank you, God, for showing me what you want me to do. Thank you, God, for providing your word. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to get to know you even better. Thank you that I'm not just, I'm not just staking my life on your teachings and never hearing from you, but I thank you that you can talk to me every single day. And then as you go home tonight, or first thing, as you get up tomorrow morning, uh, you would open this, open this book and go deeper with it than you ever had before. It'll change you from the inside out to look more like Jesus, make you more effective in Jesus' kingdom. I want that. So God, I thank you for writing the word. I thank you that you are the word, Lord God. I thank you that you talk to us. I thank you that when we read the Bible, our hearts are open to what you're saying. It's a two-way conversation. And you graciously allow us to become more like Jesus. You graciously let us have more joy and more peace in our lives. I thank you, God, that you lead us, you direct us. I thank you for every time that you've told me what to do next. And I thank you for every single time that you've stayed quiet about it. Because each of those allow me to grow in my faith, my trust in you, and walk as a child of God. God, I thank you most of all that you sent your son to die for us, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Not only that, but died in our place. And I thank you that every time I open this book, I get to know him a little bit more. I thank you that every passage in it points to him. And I pray that as I open, open the Bible tonight, as I open it tomorrow morning, you would show me you. Yeah. But I would leave that session 
a little bit more like you, to know you a little bit more, to be a little bit more transformed into the image of Jesus. And that for the people in my life who need Jesus, you would help me be that to them. That the people I encounter, Lord God, even this weekend, would see he's been with Jesus. I want what he has. And I pray that every time that I enter the Bible and I read it, God, you would prepare me for every good work they have for me. Thank you again, Jesus, for your word. I pray for these people. Pray for us to speak loudly and clearly what to do next about this, God. And you would fill us with faith. You would fill people who aren't sure about whether or not they want to take a Bible to take a Bible. And I pray that you would fill us with your spirit and direct us, God, into your word, that there would be something about it that we can't stay out of it this year. So that ultimately, God, this city, our families, this community would be radically changed by a bunch of young adults who are on fire for Jesus, Lord God, and embodying his love in every situation. In Jesus' name, amen.